0: I don't own a camcorder. I'm afraid any footage I record from my phone won't come out clearly. See, the damn thing hasn't worked right in days. I can't call out and haven't received any incoming. And so I'll write it all here and leave it for the next person. Hopefully it'll serve just as good as a warning as the previous owners. But I only hope that it's enough. If you're reading this, turn around and go back to wherever you came from. You will not survive 32 Backbend Road. Let me tell you the story. About four months ago, I closed on this small two-bedroom, one-bath home in a quaint little community called Bradmore Creek. I've tried finding it on a map multiple times, but I simply can't anymore. The place is about 60 miles south of Montgomery, Alabama, and you would miss it if you blinked. There is only one intersection that has no light. Four rust-covered stop signs are placed on each corner, and that is all the traffic safety you get. At the same intersection, there is a small general store and gas station combo, and if you can't find it there, you might as well get ready for a road trip. There's no local police or emergency responders. They all come from the county. All of these things I learned the day my realtor led me out to the middle of nowhere. Some people would have seen this as a deal breaker, but I was actually looking forward to getting out of town. An eight-year-old nightmare called marriage that ended in an even uglier divorce made sure of that. I just... Wanted to be on my own for a while. So we pulled up to a yard that hadn't been cut in a good ten years. You would have thought the seller would have wanted it to look a little better. As we approached the door, I saw the realty sign and it started to make sense to me. In big letters at the bottom it read, Sold as is. I can only imagine what surprises waited in store for me inside if the lawn was this unkept. I was fairly handy though and at $25,000 I could afford to make the repairs on my own. The wooden steps leading up to the porch groaned in displeasure as we made our way up. The front door had seen a fair share of water damage. The old pine had swollen to the point it didn't want to open. I had to help the Realtor force it with my shoulder. Dust puffed up around us as we broke open the tomb. Then we both fell into a coughing fit as the midday sun tried to push back the darkness of the foyer. Directly ahead of us was a staircase that had once been white. The paint chipped and flaked, leaving memories of what it once was on a solid cedar floor below. To the left was a rather large living room, and the ceiling was vaulted to give it quite a bit of height. It had to be at least twelve feet i called out hello just to see if it echoed i listened as my voice bounced back to me to the right of the stairs was the kitchen it was fairly long but not very deep Had that gallery style that a lot of older homes seemed to carry the laminate countertops waved in places and the cabinets below were missing half of their doors the upper cabinetry looked as though they could fall at any moment. Hell, the whole kitchen needed remodeling, but the realtor promised me that this was the only room that had this much disrepair. I could only hope that was true. The laundry room was just beyond the kitchen, and there was a door leading to the backyard from there. The appliances would need updating, but the rest of the plumbing and electrical seemed fine. I pulled open the back door and peered out the screen door just past it. A large oak tree sat in the middle of the small plot, and hanging from its lowest branch was a worn tire swing. It kind of reminded me of the one my grandparents used to have. Even though I was sure that old thing couldn't support my weight, I could imagine the weathered rope snapping as soon as my feet came off the ground. I would... Probably just take it down in case. I then returned to the staircase and the two of us made our way upstairs. I grasped the banner tightly and listened for every creak and moan of the steps. I honestly wasn't entirely sure that I wouldn't fall through them. Once I made it to the landing without incident, I gave a sigh of relief. The door to the bathroom was right ahead and both bedrooms were to the right. The guest bedroom was on the left side wall, and I stopped in to notice that there was still a full-size bed frame with headboard and a chest of drawers in the room. It was only about 12 by 10 foot, but more than enough for a house guest. I leaned back out and saw the master bedroom ahead. I reached for the dull golden handle and gave it a turn. It didn't want to budge, and again I had to persuade my way in with my shoulder. I stumbled into darkness. The curtains had been drawn tight, and the sun couldn't seem to pass by them. I pulled out my phone to illuminate my way, and noticed that the room was filled with cardboard boxes. The Realtor walked over to the one window while I navigated past the mess to the other. We both pulled the curtains apart to see that the windows had been painted red. The entire room was bathed in the same hue. I'd definitely have to do something about that. I questioned her about the packed items, and she quickly dismissed the question with, just things that didn't get sold at the estate sale. It all comes with the house. Definitely an odd occurrence, but not unheard of. At any rate, how could I pass up on such a good deal? At least... That's what I told myself when I began the purchasing process. The whole thing went smoothly. I had purchased a home before, and I couldn't recall it ever being this easy. The seller didn't even show up to the closing. His attorney handled it all for him. I'm assuming it was a him by the name Joseph Cleary on the seller section. So I quickly signed away, Christopher Malone. And the house was mine. The attorney handed me the keys and quickly sorted her papers before exiting the room. I received the lackluster congratulations from my realtor and a small gift basket of fruit as a home-warming gift. Now all I needed to do was get the house livable. So day one was demolition day. I was actually a bit excited as I stomped into the kitchen with a sledgehammer in hand Fixing something could give you a sense of pride, but tearing something apart somehow sparked that primal part of a man. Three hours in and I had removed every cabinet and filled the dumpster with wooden debris. I cleaned up my mess and pulled up a folding chair I had found in the laundry room. I tried to envision what the kitchen could look like, and then a tapping at the screen door snapped me from my daydream. I stood up and walked back to the laundry again. I peered out of the hazy glass of the door, but I couldn't see much. I opened it and found a young boy standing on the concrete back steps. He was just high enough to see through the top portion of the screen. With his matted hair and dirt-covered face, I can only imagine that he was your typical country boy that spent his days running through these fields. You didn't speak at first, and just stared up to me like I was a ghost. I broke the silence. Hey, can I help you? The boy looked past me at the house, then back up to me and asked, Did they tell you what happened here? (laughs) I kind of chuckled at the thought of getting to hear the local legend of my new purchase, A lot of places had stories like this. I enjoyed hearing the tall tales of small town folk, so I played along. No, I don't think they took the time to mention that. Hey, you want to fill me in? I got to hear about how the previous owner went crazy and committed suicide in the bathroom. Then he went on to claim that his ghost still haunted the house. He told me that the owner of the general store heard noises up here at night, and the people that lived down the road reported lights going on and off at times of the night. "'Well, I appreciate the warning,' I said with a smile. "'Hey, you want to come in for some lemonade and help me check it out?' The boy shook his head rapidly and backed away for a bit before responding. "'We don't go in here, and I don't know you, mister.' Then, with a leap from the steps, he disappeared into the tall grass behind the old oak. I hadn't really thought of how odd my question might seem to a kid I didn't know. I mean, of course, he wasn't just going to come into a stranger's house. And I mentally kicked myself for being that creepy guy. Oh well. I said to the empty house and closed the back door. I picked up my tools and made a once over of each room to make sure I hadn't forgotten anything. I intended on picking up some new cabinets and returning the following day to get started again. I entered the master bedroom one more time before leaving. In the middle of the room sat one of the dusty boxes, but this time I noticed it was open. I leaned over and sitting right on top was an old VHS camcorder. I picked it up and noticed that Decay hadn't it like everything else here. still had a tape. And when I pressed the playback button, it actually worked. I squinted at the tiny screen and noticed the man speaking into the camera. I couldn't make out the words, but he looked rather distressed. I pressed Stop and popped open the tape deck so I could remove the tape. Watch me was hurriedly scrawled across the side in a red marker. I pushed the camcorder back closed and I tucked it under my arm, deciding to give it a look once I got back to my temporary living condition, also known as Motel 6. I hooked the device to the hotel room's television and plopped back on the bed with a cold bottle of beer. I took a swig as the film began to play. The picture was distorted at first, but the person being filmed obviously made some kind of adjustment and it became clearer. A man of about thirty-eight sat in an old armchair that rested in the middle of that master bedroom I had not long left behind. He seemed nervous and wrung at his hands the entire time. My name is Joseph Cleary. He began. I purchased this house three months ago and it needed a lot of work. I planned on fixing it up during the day and staying with a friend at night until I could make it something nice. And I thought I had done a really good job when I finally moved in. I was really proud. My first night here though was, well, it was different. See, I could barely sleep for all the odd noises this place makes. And I was sure it was just from age of the place, but I swear to you, it isn't that. His voice trailed off as the sound of something shuffling in the background had him in a panic. His eyes darted around the room until the ruckus ended. He cleared his throat and continued. The next day I woke up and all the work I had done was just gone. I mean, it was like I'd never touched the place. I know it sounds crazy, but I swear to you, if you come in and found this tape and the kitchen was almost destroyed, then it happened again. I have pulled out that rotting wood at least three times, and it keeps on coming back. I sat up finishing off my beer and pausing the tape. The people in that little place must be really bored. They went to do a lot of trouble to scare the new neighbor, I thought. Leaning over, I grabbed another beer from the mini-fridge, popped the cap, and sat back to continue the film. There's something in this house. It keeps making awful noises at night and I can't sleep. I even tried sleeping pills, and somehow it wakes me up. Something doesn't want me here and doesn't want this place to change. And if you're watching this, then I didn't survive this place. See, there's something watching me, and it's waiting. It sits in the dark, and I know it's coming for me. I've recorded this as a warning to anyone who buys this here house. Do yourself a favor and burn this place down. Joseph almost yelled at the screen. The footage became distorted again, and while Joseph tried to correct it, the light seemed to dim in the room. I could hear him yell out for help, and then the recorder was knocked over. I was left staring under the bed as the man's feet could be seen shuffling about. The sound became garbled but for a moment I could swear someone else was in the room with Joseph. The scene became clear again but I couldn't see Joseph's feet anymore. Then suddenly a face came into view with a crash. Joseph's eyes were wide mere inches from the camera. He whispered, Help. As if he were talking directly to me before being pulled from the scene. I heard him cry out again and then the tape went silent for a moment. A squeak was heard, and then water running. The water gurgled and splashed. And soon, I recognized the sound. The bathtub was filling with water. Then it went quiet again as the water was shut off. The tape kept going but nothing else happened. I fast forwarded through two more hours of watching the empty room before it finally cut out. It must have run out of tape and I felt a chill run up my spine. If this had been a prank, it was a damn good one. Now, it took me about three months to get the kitchen like I wanted. I had tried to match the woods with the floor and had a black granite top placed above it. It was a nice contrast between the light-colored cedar. I had the floors refinished and they almost looked brand new. I brought in stainless steel appliances and purchased the small round table to accent the small breakfast nook area that separated the kitchen and the laundry. It was more than enough for just me. The rest of the house just needed touch-ups. A good cleaning and fresh paint made the place look like something out of better homes and gardens. You know, if you didn't look at the outside, that is. I hadn't quite got to all of that yet. I did, however, take down that old tire swing. And for my first night, I invited a couple of my work friends to take a look everybody was impressed, but I honestly think they were just glad to have a single friend that they could bachelor it up with on the weekends. Either way, I was proud of myself. After the last guest left, I made my rounds to pick up my latent trash. I left the light on in the stairwell and shut out the rest before retiring to my master bedroom. It had taken a lot of time to clear all those boxes out of here and get them up in the attic, but now my new bedroom lit up the space. It took a bit more time to replace those red painted windows than I had planned, but it was worth it. I changed clothes and brushed my teeth before making my way to bed. It was nice to be sleeping in my own bed again. And I lay there in the dark for about 30 minutes just enjoying the quiet of the place, before my eyes finally got too heavy for me to fight off. And Then I awoke to a shuffling noise, very faint and definitely not coming from my room. Rubbing the sleep from my eyes, I looked over at my clock to see it was just past three o'clock. I slid from my bed and walked out onto the landing, The light over the stairs was no longer burning, but I definitely remembered leaving it on. Oh, I really hope the wiring isn't completely shot in the walls. So I thought. I stepped over to the top of the stairs and pushed up on the switch. Click. Nothing. Curses fell under my breath. I had been so happy to be finished and now I needed to call an electrician. I fumbled down the stairs and stepped into the kitchen. I tried the light there, and it too would not come on. Shit. I called out in the dark. Moving over to the fridge, I opened the drawer right beside it. I removed the flashlight and flicked it on. The dull amber only lit a small area, but it would help me find my way to the fuse box in the laundry. I opened up the panel and checked each one. They all appeared to be fine. I have to call an electrician anyway. I might as well see what it will cost to replace those fuses with breakers, I thought. I was about to leave the kitchen and just head back to bed when the shuffling started again. I followed the noise and it led me back upstairs. I leaned into the bathroom and waited for it to happen again. It sounded like something being dragged across the floor, but I couldn't see anything moving. It was coming from the spare bedroom. I pressed the flashlight against the door and it swung open. There was no logical explanation for this that I could think of, but I walked into a room full of the boxes that I had placed in the attic. I looked over to the closet that was now open, and the small scuttle hole in the ceiling of it was also open. This was the only entrance into the attic, and I know for a fact I didn't open it just to bring all those boxes back down. I stood there, dumbfounded for a moment, before I heard the shuffling again, and within moments a box rested on the edge of the attic access. I stepped back for a moment as the box dropped from the hole and landed to the floor of the closet on top of the rest of them. I leaned over the closet and let the beam of light cross over the opening. There was nothing directly above me, but something had to have pushed the boxes down, and so I slowly made my way up the ladder that was attached to the back wall and peeked over the edge into the empty attic. The light swept across the darkness to find nothing there. I stepped down and closed the door to the room before going back to mine. I would have to investigate in the morning with better light. I finally woke up around 10 o'clock and was immediately confused as to why my alarm clock had not roused me sooner. Looking to my left, I noticed... It was not on my bedside table. I slid the table aside and found no trace of it all. I was sure I had unpacked it and placed it right there. So I scratched out my head as I exited my room and looked over at the pile of boxes in the spare room. I looked at them for a moment, then entered and opened one of the boxes. And inside sat my alarm clock on top of various small household items that I was sure I had already unpacked. It seemed so strange, but I guess with all the things I had been doing, I had forgotten a few items to remove from their storage. I climbed the ladder to the attic again. The light from the window at the far end made it easier for me to see my surroundings. There was nothing there of interest and definitely no sign of activity. The ceiling must be sloped, I thought. I had simply placed the boxes adjacent to the opening. They must have fallen through. And then, one by one, I returned each box to the attic. I made sure to place them further away from the access this time, and pulled out a few things I would need. Mainly my alarm clock. I made sure to close the doorway and descended back into the room. I had been severely distracted with the home remodel that had not been able to focus on my work. I reviewed and edited articles for a news website. I made it a point to catch up on the last week's worth of articles, and by the time I had finished it, it was late in the evening. I had worked straight through lunch, and my stomach was screaming at me. I made my way to the kitchen and popped open the freezer. Now, frozen pizza wasn't my first choice, but it would be ready quickly. I tossed it in the oven, made me a glass of tea. Leaning against the countertop and sipping on the tea, I thought back to the boy that had come to my back door. And I decided that tomorrow I would take a trip up to the general store and see what the rest of the locals had to say about my house. Then I finished up my dinner, tossing the dirty plates in the sink. I took a quick shower, and then I made my way to bed. Again, I woke up late. Not only was my alarm clock missing, but so was my nightstand. Now that was impossible. I quickly made my way to the next room, and sure enough, there sat all the boxes from the attic. I threw on some clothes and bounded down the stairs. I grabbed my keys off the hook and was rolling down the road to the store in minutes. Now there were only two other vehicles parked outside the little building, and when I entered, I didn't see anyone. I called out a few times but received no response. I turned to go back out and was greeted by a pair of men wiping their hands with oil rags. The one in front was balding. Overweight and bulged in his coveralls. The other was thinner, hid behind a baseball cap, and didn't believe in wearing a t-shirt. Well, I'm sorry to keep you waiting, the older of the two said. We don't get a lot of regular customers this early. Me and my boy were working on the truck. I hadn't seen anyone working on anything outside, but maybe they meant next door. (laughs) It's all right. I replied with a faint smile. So, I'm, uh, I'm new to the area. My name is Chris. The man cut me off. We know who you are. Well, you bought the old Laramie house. Not sure why anyone would want to do that, but anyway, how can I help you, son? I'm glad you said that because I really came down here to see what the deal is with the place. Some kids stopped by the other day and told me some wild story about the previous owner going nuts. (laughs) I laughed a little at the thought. The two of them looked at one another for a moment and smiled, then looked back to me. I was asked to sit down out front and was treated to a real old-fashioned tall tale from a good old boy. Apparently... Willard Laramie built that house a long time ago for himself and his wife. His wife passed away from some illness before the house was finished. Mr. Laramie became secluded, barely leaving the house. He even had a month worth of groceries delivered to his house, so he wouldn't have to travel out of town. It was no surprise it took almost three months for anyone to notice he was gone. Someone from the store started to get worried, since they hadn't received an order from him in so long, and so they had the sheriff go up and check on him. From the way they told it, the old man just must have had enough. The master bedroom had blood splattered all over it, they said it even painted the windows red. He had put the barrel of his shotgun in his mouth and somehow managed to pull the trigger. They cleaned up the rooms, but the windows remained that awful crimson hue. I had been the third person who tried to purchase and fix up the place. The previous two supposedly also committed suicide. One hung himself in the attic, and the last one appeared to have taken sleeping pills before slipping into the bath. The official cause of death was drowning but the county coroner stated it had to be intentional. So I asked them if both of the owners had tried to remodel the house, and I found out that they witnessed truckloads of material head up to the place. But it looked the same the next day. I thanked them for the information and decided to head back home. It seemed like a long drive up the dusty road to my house. I pulled up in my yard, turned off the truck, and I just sat there, staring at the place. I realized that strange things had happened in the house, but nothing truly sinister. Still, between the rumors and the videotape, I just couldn't ignore it. I decided to give it a little time and see if the stories turned into anything. I could handle some moving boxes and misplaced items. Hell, it might even make for an interesting story. If that was all it was, then I would be fine and, well, I wouldn't be writing this now. Every morning the boxes would be down from the attic and eventually I stopped putting them back up Little things would end up in a box here and there to begin with. After a couple of weeks, I woke up to the windows being red again. Now, I'm not sure how most people would react to the sunrise peeking in your window, only to make your bedroom look like a crime scene. But I almost had a heart attack. See, each day, things got worse. And one morning, I walked down the stairs to find the kitchen in disrepair just like the first day I moved in. There were a lot of things I had tolerated and brushed off as minor inconveniences, but this was too much. And so I pulled out my phone and dialed the number for the realtor. I waited for a moment. I never heard a ring. Then, through the silence, someone whispered, it's time for you to go. Then my phone went dead. Out of every strange thing to happen, this was the first time I truly felt threatened. Standing there in that dust-covered kitchen, I could actually feel someone watching me. You see the hairs on the back of my neck? They rose. I began to shudder. The house felt cold now and the feeling of being unwanted was unbearable. That was all I could handle, and I made my way to the front door. Grabbing my keys and reaching for the door, I took one last look over my shoulder. The place looked dead, but something was definitely alive inside. I turned the knob and pulled at the door. It wouldn't even budge. There was no forcing it with my body this time. The door swung open and I'd be fighting against the door frame itself. I backed up, lifted my leg, and drove my heel into the door. Pain shot up my leg, but the door remained. I had hurt my ankle. I hobbled over to the kitchen door and used the dilapidated countertop as a crutch all the way to the laundry. I tried the back door, and it too wouldn't budge. So I yelled out to the empty space. If you want me to go, then you have to let me out of the house. The whole house groaned and creaked in response. I slowly made my way back up to the foyer, and as I reached the doorway, I heard what sounded like footsteps from the landing. Looking up, I saw a dark figure move to the steps and began to descend them slowly. Each step howled into the dark, and I could feel it echo throughout my body, and I couldn't move now. My body absolutely refused to budge. My eyes grew wide as what appeared to be a man came closer and closer. Just as the figure approached me, a burst of air forced me back against the front door and my body crumbled to the floor. I winced in pain and grabbed for my ankle, my eyes shot up to look again, but the figure was gone. Well, it's been almost a week since I first saw Willard Laramie, and he still won't let me out. He has to come to visit me every night, though. I'm almost out of food, so I just brought what little was left upstairs become too hard to make it up and down the stairs on my ankle i tried kicking out the door again and only made it worse i'm using a bucket to relieve myself because the last time i went to the bathroom he was standing in the tub it's almost as if he's playing with me but i know that won't last for long i'm almost ready for him to do whatever it is he plans on doing It's just that the fear of not knowing when is greater than knowing what will come. I find myself yelling into the dark, Just get it over with already! Well, it's been three more days, and I'm now out of food. I'm keeping to the master bedroom and have barricaded the door. I'm sitting in the middle of an empty room where my bed once sat. And I'm just putting all this here for the next person that purchases 32 Backbend Road in Bradmore Creek, Alabama. I will leave this here for you in hopes that you believe me. I should have listened to Joseph. I should have set the house on fire after the first night. I should have listened to the boy and the man at the general store. If you don't believe me, ask them yourself. He won't. Let me just walk out. I have to go the same way everyone else did. So will you, if you decide to stay. This letter was found in an envelope that accompanied the closing documents. Christopher Malone requested in his last will and testament that any future buyer be asked to read before signing.